I will never forget the student. We'll call him Peter. Peter was a kid who he would, every day at lunch, he would get his lunch and he would start opening it up. He would take one bite of his sandwich and then he put it in his bag and then one bite of his fruit and put it in his bag. Um, even his milk, he would take like a, a drink of it and put it away. And he was taking all of that. What we found out later on was he was taking all of that home for his, for his sisters because without that food that Peter would take home, his sisters wouldn't eat. And so um, that was just beyond my imagination at that point that kids in our community could be that hungry. That was the voice of Stacy Acuno, who teaches seventh grade science in Rialto, California, sharing just one story of a hungry child in her classroom. That child isn't the only one. There are 12 million children in the United States living with hunger. Imagine what it's like being a hungry child. You feel tired and weak so much of the time. You're more likely to get sick and take longer to recover. You can't focus and concentrate as well. And you're more likely to be depressed. Now imagine feeling this way and denying yourself food in order to bring it home to your younger siblings. These are the kinds of heartbreaking choices that hungry kids in America face every day. I'm Billy Shore. And welcome back to Add Passion and Stir, the podcast where we share stories of individuals and organizations who identify a problem and work to solve it. Our podcast is part of Share Our Strength, the nonprofit organization that runs the No Kid Hungry campaign. So ending childhood hunger is at the heart of our mission and the focus of our work. We'll be right back after this. pleased to bring you a three-part series exploring why getting kids food in school is critical to helping end childhood hunger. Because at the No Kid Hungry campaign, not only do we believe that hunger is a solvable problem, we believe that we have the tools to ensure kids get three meals a day, even if their families are food insecure or in poverty. Right now is the time of year when everyone is making sure kids have what they need to thrive in school. But just like you can't write without pen and paper, you can't think and learn when you're hungry. Today, almost 12 million children in the United States are living with hunger. 12 million children. And each child has their own story and experience living with hunger. Dr. Monty Stewart, principal at Bemis Elementary School in the Rialto Unified School District in California, shared one such story with us recently. So I had this one student, uh, he's a fourth grader. He reminded me of um, how you have things that that is a constant and some things are taken away. So with the breakfast in the classroom, he thought, hey, this is gonna go away. And I would ask him, well, why do you think it's gonna go away? Because everything that I get gets taken away. So I had to remind him, I say, hey, we have breakfast in the classroom, this is gonna stay. As long as I'm here, it's gonna stay and remain. But he touched me in that sense because his mom was a single parent. She struggled to get him to school on time. So knowing that he was getting the breakfast, he was making sure that his mother got him to school on time every day. But back of his mind, he was thinking, hey, this program's gonna get taken away from me. And I had to keep assuring him, keep assuring him that it wasn't gonna be taken away. This one student, but the student at the end of the school year, um, he thanked me for making sure that we had breakfast in the classroom but he also cried because he had to move. 
he moved to a different district. Everything that I get gets taken away. That little boy, like so many other children in his situation, is afraid that without school meals, he will once again be desperately hungry most of the time. Without school meals, kids don't know when they will eat on any given day, or if they will eat at all. And of course, there's the reality that hunger is an invisible problem. You can't look at a child and know when they last ate anything, let alone a healthy meal. Clint Mitchell is superintendent of Colonial Beach Public Schools in Dumfries, Virginia, and a former principal of Fairfax County, Virginia Public Elementary Schools. Fairfax is one of the wealthiest counties in the United States, but even in a county where affluence is the norm, Dr. Mitchell sees hungry students in his schools. The biggest thing is, you know, you have kids who shut down. Uh, they come in, they're hungry. A lot of these kids, it's hard to get them started with their morning work. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, they bring this added pressure uh, to the classroom and, you know, they don't want to do the work. So then it becomes a behavior issue and the kids being defiant and they're in the office. And you find out the root of it is really because the kid is hungry and the kid didn't get a chance to eat breakfast. And so as a school principal, I want to eliminate that because our job is really to educate kids in this country. And really, if I can do my part to eliminate the fact that when a kid comes in, they have something in front of them for lunch, for breakfast. And, you know, I think, you know, uh, we are well on our way to making sure that we change the culture at the school in terms of the learning process. And sometimes there are social pressures or other limitations that keep kids from accessing the essential food that they need. Miss Ann Jeanette Hall, head of cafeteria services at Patterson High School in Baltimore, Maryland, has experienced this firsthand. Well, I, I believe that a lot of kids are embarrassed to come into the cafeteria. They don't want to be seen. I'm getting the school breakfast or I'm in the line getting the breakfast, as opposed to if we had breakfast served down here at 8 a.m. A lot of kids don't even get to school at 8 o'clock in the morning. Rachel Garvin, a fourth grade teacher in the Rialto School District, shares more about the feeling of embarrassment or shame that hunger can bring. Even at the beginning of my teaching career, I saw this where the kids would go up, they didn't have any money on their count, and they'd have to get that cheese sandwich. And that doesn't feel good for any child. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to worry about sending notes home saying that the kid owes money on their lunch account because that's really uncomfortable for the teacher. It's uncomfortable for parents. It's uncomfortable for the students. No child should have to be worrying about money. Rachel also shared about the limitations of school meals, the reality that children need food when the school day ends. Life is rough for our kids. And, and that's kids from all walks of life. It is difficult for them. And when it comes to things like Christmas break, summer break, spring break, or even those weekends, or even dinner, I understand that we probably can't fix every meal for them. But imagine the child who doesn't want to go out on summer break because they're worried about not being able to get a meal at school every day. Imagine the child who's not excited about Christmas break because they know there's not going to be food. They're going to have that insecurity. A child that should be thinking about during Christmas break what Santa Claus is going to bring them, but instead they're worried about the fact that they're not going to have breakfast every morning because they're not going to school. It, it breaks my heart when we think about children having to worry about grown-up issues. Sociologist Kathy Eden described the toll that hunger takes on our children every day in her landmark work, $2 a day, living on almost nothing in America. Tabitha Hicks in the book is a is a young lady that is incredibly hungry. And, you know, when I asked her what it felt like to be that hungry, she 
Uh, I'll never forget it. We were sitting um, outside uh, uh, the old Woolworths, which is now a fancy um, coffee shop in Clarksdale, Mississippi. And sun was just going down, and I said, so Tabitha, what does it feel like to be that hungry? And she said, it feels like you want to be dead because it's peaceful being dead. Imagine anybody saying that they would want to be dead rather than be hungry. So what can we do? Congressman Jim McGovern is chair of the House Rules Committee and a driving force in the creation of the 2022 White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health. It's the first time in half a century that the executive branch is examining the pernicious reach of hunger in America and its devastating outcomes, particularly for children. Congressman McGovern offered his insights on the Root of the Issue podcast from the Root Cause Coalition about how and why hunger has grown into its current crisis state. Well, what what ended up happening in the 1980s is a lot of the uh, programs that were designed to uh, combat hunger uh, came under attack. Uh, We started to demagogue uh, some of these programs like SNAP. We we, we had politicians that uh, demonized people who were living in challenging economic circumstances. It became fashionable to bash poor people. Uh, and, um, and we began to cut some of these programs and we began to not connect the dots. And you saw this, uh, this problem of hunger spread and intensify. And I tell people all the time, uh, that hunger is a political condition. And the reason why I say that is because we can solve this. We have the money, we have the food, we have everything to solve, but we don't, we, we, we've lacked the political will. Uh, and, um, and quite frankly, that's, an indictment of both parties. Congressman McGovern is right. Hunger has worsened in America, and we've let it happen. But I know for a fact that we can feed every child in America. At the No Kid Hungry campaign, we're working with schools to implement programs that make sure children get the food they need to thrive. One such program is Breakfast After the Bell. Schools traditionally serve breakfast in the cafeteria before the start of the school day. But too many kids miss out because of late arrival times or stigma and a host of other issues. When schools make breakfast part of the school day by serving it in the classroom, participation rates skyrocket. Teacher Juan Carlos Unavargas recalls his experience with Breakfast After the Bell launching in his classroom. So the night before, I was very nervous. Um, I couldn't really sleep. I was like thinking of so many negative things that were going to happen for breakfast in the classroom. I was thinking a food fight's going to be wild. It's going to be food everywhere and milk everywhere. And... I'm probably going to lose instructional minutes. So when I tried it, I saw two things that I've never thought I would see. First and foremost is the students excited about eating in the classroom with their friends. I saw them being responsible of cleaning up their mess. So like I always think of a student, a particular student just came to my mind right now. She was just looking forward for breakfast because she said, and at her house, she never had a breakfast. And that's powerful. If that's one child, can you imagine multiplying that same child at different school sites of that one kid in particular that you have no idea as a teacher, they never had a breakfast in their household. And now they're having a breakfast for sure, guaranteed 100% Monday through Friday every day. That is priceless. When we began our work to expand access to school breakfasts, we found that too many kids who qualify for free or reduced lunches were not receiving the breakfast meals for which they were qualified. With innovations like breakfast in the classroom, grab-and-go breakfasts, and second-chance breakfast, 14 million school children received a school breakfast in the 2020-2021 school year. 
but school breakfasts and school lunches are only part of the solution. Hunger exists outside of school, and for many kids, school lunch may be their last opportunity to eat a healthy meal during the day. So we're also working to increase other vital programs for feeding children, like after-school meals, backpack food programs that help children avoid hunger during weekends and holiday breaks, school food pantries located inside or close to a school to provide free food for students and their families, and kids' cafe programs to provide free snacks and meals to kids across the country at community locations during after-school hours. As part of my work at Share Our Strength, I travel across this country, visiting with kids and teachers in every state and in almost every community. And I found that it's one thing to listen to policy debates and read a newspaper or watch the news and learn about poverty in America that way, but it's another to sit and help a second grade child who isn't getting enough to eat as she tries to learn to read. In the next episode of Add Passion and Stir, we'll connect with organizations and individuals committed to making sure that kids get the food they need in school. We'll talk to school administrators, activists in the chef community, and leaders in government. And we'll share the stories from you, our listeners, about how you're helping to end hunger in your community and proving that food is the most important school supply. We hope you'll join us. Please visit adpassionandstir.com. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Share Ad Passion and Stir with a friend and rate the show so that others can find it. Ad Passion and Stir is produced by Paul Woody Whittle's team at District Productive and Johanna Weber of Pop and Awe with support from our team at Share Our Strength in the No Kid Hungry campaign. They include Debbie Shore, Pamela Taylor, Megan Cantrell, and Kelly Griffin. We'll be back in two weeks with more stories of individuals sharing their strength to make a difference in the world. Until then, thanks so much for listening.